Northern Brewer is the proud sponsor of the Brewing Network's Jamil Show. They have the widest selection of domestic and imported malts and grain, hops from all over the world, and a full line of liquid and dry yeast. No matter what style of beer you're brewing, Northern Brewer has the ingredients you need, plus fast shipping and expert staff to help you make the best beer possible. Please visit northernbrewer.com for all things homebrew. All homebrewers have a favorite commercial beer, but not everyone can make it. Welcome to the show that teaches you how, where you can challenge two masters, Jamil Zainashev and Tasty McDole. This is the Jamil Show. Can you brew it? Now here's Jamil. Hey, howdy, hey, my brewing brothers and sisters. Back for another Can You Brew It? Wake them up. They've all been taking naps. <laughs> all been taking, who's been taking naps? Oh, our listeners. Why would they take naps? Well, you know, they had the other show, which Are is... Are you a, saying because we had Bruce Strong before this yeah, that yeah, you're they, that, they that put like them, a they napping? Yeah, exactly. This is much Some more interesting, bitch. isn't it? <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> what, what, what? You're insulting the, the fine efforts of... Uh, Rock candy. Rock candy. Oh, no, no. That's excellent. <laughs> excellent stuff. No, I, you know, it's just not as uplifting as this show. <laughs> I got your uplifting right here. Oh. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, I hear you've been brewing some uh, interesting beers, and you, you've been trying a well, new Well, it sounds hop. like you're jealous because I'm not brewing for this show all the time. Uh, yeah. yeah, what the hell are you brewing something yeah, else I for? See, I thought, What's I thought, the matter you, with you? You got me, see? I'm going to be well, bringing in yeah, some, yeah, some I, more guest brewers to... Uh, Take care of that problem. Yeah, I was able to find yourself uh, without a seat. Take my focus off of this show and brew another beer that wasn't for the show. So yeah, I brewed a beer with the uh, this new hop I got a hold of called Citra, C I T R A, and it's, um, it's real fruity, real uh, tropical. People call, keep saying mango or something every time they drink it, but it's really fun. It's got a lot of aroma. It's like eleven alpha, mm-hmm. and that's pretty 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 high for an aromatic hop. So mm-hmm. you can put it late and you can get a lot of IBUs and. Uh, Get a lot of aroma. Really liked it. Well, for the rest of the world, it may not be a uh, aroma hop, <clears throat> but uh, yeah, here in the uh, U.S., we tend to uh, take things that were originally designed <laughs> as bittering hops and yeah. going, "Oh, what does that taste like? Uh, what's the, what's the aromatic properties on that bad boy?" Right. Yeah. So it's like you know, people like Amarillo because it's of its aromatic qualities. Yeah. Uh, the citra, oh, yeah. the citra holds up to that uh, here, let's as well. Do like those other fine beer shows and and pour me some, and I'll drink it on the air and uh-huh. smack Chad my went, lips. And, Chad went and got it. I don't know if talk he, about it. Did you bring that bottle? Oh, it's the one next to you. Oh. There's this thing on top <clears throat> with the uh, yeah the thing on top that cap. Yeah. You can open so people can hear it. See, right. there we go. That's, that's a de rigueur for uh, those other shows that do that sort of thing. All right, now you got some in the glass. Got some in the glass. I'm looking at it. Smelling it. This is an Amer- this is American Pale Ale. It's the tasty APA malt bill. Real bubble gummy. I see the mango. Getting the mango, man. Bubble gum and cake. Kind of like a like a white cake. Yeah, like a like a <clears throat> like a vanilla cake type of uh, you know like a. Uh, Thanks, Tasty. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's real fruity. Like Chad. 
little fruity. Well, maybe it's the Thai yeah. iced tea I had in this glass before. <laughs> yeah, maybe you're a little fruity yeah, with your Thai you iced tea. Yeah, this beer. Uh, and then lip smacking, that's part of. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, bitter, I, I bittered this with Columbus, and then all the late additions are Citra, including the uh, the dry hop. It's, uh, it's just a 1056 beer, it's about 35 IBUs. It's a little stinky. Grassy, you're saying? Or vegetative? Oh, maybe on your side of the studio. Maybe it's something else. Maybe his breath is backing up. Could be. Maybe, yeah. Have you bathed recently? Mm-mm. Wash your face? Maybe it's... Uh, <laughs> I used I a washcloth on my face today. The same way you wash your ass with it? No. No. No, it's got a little dank stank to it. Well, now, I wouldn't call Columbus. it grassy and green. Oh. I'd, I'd call it yeah. bitter and... Dank stank. I don't know how to describe it exactly, Very but tie ice tea light. <laughs> no, I get that. Yeah. So I don't know. Would it be good with uh, Asian food? Sure, I think so. It's good beer. Yeah. It's just a really different character to it, right? Yeah, it's a different kind of bitterness. We talked about this yeah. hop at the GABF on one of my panels. We had. Oh, that's uh, right. We hey, had yours Steve. Is much more mango. <clears throat> We had Steve Grossman from uh, Sierra Nevada in yeah, there talking yeah. about this hop and using it. They used it both in their harvest ale um, and, I think, in their estate ale, I want to say. Um, and there are <laughs> Your glasses are big that. fans of it, too. <laughs> all messed up. Oh, my God. Is it yours? It smells like iced tea. It's like cargo. It's like a... Right. Yeah. Vanilla. And Vanilla, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, yours is much <laughs> more mango-like. Could you meal another cup here? We need to have a re-pour over here. That glass is messed up. There you go. Oh, still a good beer. Tell me about that mango one more time, Mister Thai Ice Tea. Thai Ice Tea. Well, now it's a little more dank. It's a, it's a different <laughs> can you brew it show. All right, do over. <laughs> yeah, it's a little sulfury, a little rubbery. Yeah, yeah, rubbery's good. Not not green or grassy. No. That's kind of a rubbery mouthfeel too. It's not just the. It's pretty thick, I think. Uh, yeah. But. Uh, yeah, I see the mango part. Yeah, I get that too. Yeah, oh, it's interesting. I like it. Anyway, so I'm, I'm looking put forward in the ingredients to. Kit. Going to be a lot of beers with that hop in the coming year, so I'm looking forward. Yeah, to Yeah, everybody's. It's just coming available for the home brewers so, and the commercial brewers, actually. Yeah, Steve was saying that it's been around for something like 15 years. Is that right? But uh, <laughs> just in really small quantities, and people weren't using it. Sure, and now, yeah. uh, you know, they grew more of it, so people are getting it. They're hoping for the next Amarillo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Get people well, to know it. Once, it, and it's interesting, you know, um, like with the Rosalaire, you know, Yeast product, they had a real problem with, um, <clears throat> you know, it's a good product, but nobody really knew what to do with it. A few mm-hmm. people were trying it, and then, you know, once somebody has success with it and starts promoting it, then, yeah, everybody wants it. And they realize, oh, yeah, this is a really good product. And by then, it's too late. They already canceled it. Now they're bringing it back full time. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's you know same thing on the hops. If they tear out all this, this crop, you're, you're not going to get this. You right. Know, if, it's, if it's not popular, people aren't demanding it. Like mm-hmm. the Amarillo was, for a long time, nobody really seemed to care about Amarillo. And then sort of caught on and then... Once there was a problem, then everyone's like, oh, yeah, yeah, i got to have Amarillo. Sure. So. Same thing happened with Family Guy. <laughs> right. I'm being serious, right? Exactly. It right. was this great show that nobody cared about. Right. They canceled it, it, put it on DVD, and now it's the hottest show on television again, right. you know, and then they brought yeah. it back. They brought it back. 
It's all about canceling. We should cancel your show, Jamil, and see how popular we get. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, really? we'll, we'll see how well you do here at the Brewing Network without uh, yeah. without my shows. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure sure ratings will really really spike at that point. Well, I'll sell the DVDs. Is what I'm getting at. Ah, there you <laughs> yeah, now you're talking. Now you can actually make some money. That's right. 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 Well, cancel and sell the DVD. It might be the way to go. We'll just bring in another ringer. Well, yeah. The only the only problem. You don't think this is the real Jamil, do you? He, he doesn't have time for this. Yeah, he hasn't been around since year one. Yeah. <laughs> we got ready to hit early. I don't think uh, you know our fine sponsor, Northern Brewer, would uh, appreciate canceling uh, the show. Oh, probably so not. Think, no, uh, no yeah, that's they, why we have a fake Jamil. They've they've been they've been with us for uh, yeah. The real one couldn't do it anymore. I exactly gave up Uppity on all, all you assholes yes. uh, long ago. Um, <laughs> you know they they uh, they've supported us since uh, the very beginning or very early days and uh, made this show possible. And uh, if you appreciate that and you like this show, make sure you go to Northern Brewer for your uh, ingredients to brew uh, these beers. And uh, at the very least, let them know that uh, you appreciate them uh, giving us the support and making all this possible. Uh, you know, hit them up with an email, stop by their store, uh, find something to buy on their site, and let them know how much you appreciate that the fact that they uh, they make this possible. And and if you do that, they'll keep supporting us, and uh, we'll keep uh, putting out these shows for you. Yeah, anyways, uh, let's see. What's our challenge today, Justin? Well, a listener called in to challenge you guys, and this work cut out for you. This is a brewery that we all know and love and tough beers to make. Here's your challenge. Hey, Jay-Z and Tasty. This is Andy Polito in Germantown, Maryland, and I would love a clone of Jolly Pumpkin's Bambier. Uh, this is a great saison. It has uh, light fruitiness. It's very easy drinking, and the reddish characteristics and it really give it that nice dry finish uh something i really appreciate in a uh, good summertime beer so can you brew it oh yeah you know jolly pumpkin now we're talking that's that's quite a request and yeah that is a challenging one uh you know all the the uh, jolly pumpkin beers are um they're all oak aged they're all bottle conditioned. They all go through open fermentation, and uh, they mix in, you know, natural, you know, flora and fauna from from the region. So that's going to be a tough one to clone. Um, I think uh, they're doing very creative things as well. So uh, I think this is a real good one. So what we did was uh, got a hold of uh, Ron Jeffries at a Jolly Pumpkin out in Dexter, Michigan. And uh, ask them to give us uh, some help with this. So why don't we do this? We'll uh, we'll take a short break, and when we come back, we'll listen to uh, Ron tell us all about uh, his beers. Back after this. Hi, I have a sixer of Lagunitas in the ice box. My roommate's gone for the weekend, and I'm wearing something flimsy. Listen, baby, I told you not to call me after eight. I'll talk to you tomorrow. I gotta go. Who is that? Your girlfriend? You loser. Shut up, thug. Did you guys get the cauldron set up on the altar of my yard? Sir, if you weren't so busy getting booty calls, you'd know that. The hurricane furnace is using propane while you guys talk. All right, I'm using the scroll of Mosher to boil the first decoction. Nope, it's scorched. What do you do? Frack, scoop it out and try again. Thug, use your mass rake. You took too long. The color is now dark and past the point where you can still call it a pilsner. Yes, Ugh, I hate it when Greg's the brewmaster. What's this, Poindexter Urkel? Dude, can't you see we're in the middle of a brew session? 
Is that an actual beer? Yeah, I crafted it. I don't really use the dice anymore. I'm a 10th level beer nerd. <gasps> Are you a 10th level beer nerd? Do you belch White Labs 833 and crap Simcoe? Then you're in good company at Northern Brewer. Northern Brewer has all your beer nerd needs. Ingredients, equipment, and knowledge 24 hours a day at northernbrewer.com. Plus, fast, cheap shipping. Only $7.99 for the contiguous USA. And check out Northern Brewer's huge selection of dorky beer kits, including the Cylon Detecting 3 Hearted and the collector's item super alt. Mine's in mint condition because it's still in the box. Make 10th level at northernbrewer.com. Downtown Joe's, located in the historic Oberon Building in beautiful downtown Napa, California, offers an award-winning brew pub experience from 8.30 a.m. to 1 a.m. every day. For 15 years at the corner of 2nd and Main, Downtown Joe's has been voted Best Night Spot seven times and Best Brew Pub for the last four years in a row. Brewmaster Colin Kaminsky's handcrafted ales, like his Tailwagon Amber Ale and Double Secret Probation IPA, are the perfect accent to riverside dining, live music, and a relaxing outdoor patio. Don't miss the Beer of the Month, special rotating taps, and the BN Army Member Special. Wear your BN gear, get 10% off your beer. Visit downtownjoes.com to make reservations, peruse their extensive calendar of events, or just read more about their fantastic beers. Come enjoy the fine beer, food, and music. Downtown Joe's, the award-winning brew pub where you'll feel at home. Organic ingredients. Fresh, clean, good for you, good for the planet. And Seven Bridges has the best selection in the world. Everything is a click away at breworganic.com. Join the mailing list for special deals and regular updates about new products and specials. They have been brewing organic and serving organic brewers for almost 12 years. They can help you brew great organic beer. Take the National Organic Brewing Challenge, the only BJCP-sanctioned nationwide brewing competition just for organic beers. Enter the competition by October 10th for your chance to win great prizes, including a hands-on brewing experience at an organic brewery, brewing equipment, or organic brewing ingredients. Complete details about the competition are online at breworganic.com slash competition. Seven Bridges is cooperatively owned in awesome Santa Cruz, California. Everyone there is dedicated to worker and people-friendly business practices and environmentally friendly, worker-friendly brewing products whenever possible. Visit today, breworganic.com. This Sit down next to it, grab yourself a paper towel, and watch those yeast have sex. You're listening to the Brewer Network. I'm with uh, Ron Jeffries, brewmaster owner of Jolly Pumpkin Artisan Ales out in Dexter, Michigan. Ron, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing really well, really well. Thanks for calling. Great. Uh, you know... I wanted to uh, when when I found out that uh, uh, our listeners were requesting Jolly Pumpkin uh, Artisan Ales as uh, for Can You Brew It, right off the bat I knew hey you know it's a it's a great uh, a great challenge for us and and a great brewery. the The very first time I had uh, any of your your beers was in the uh, uh, National Homebrew Conference in Orlando, Florida, uh, several years ago, and. I'll tell you, I was just blown away by the creativity and um, uh, distinct nature of what you guys were offering. I was I was very impressed by that. Just just you know, reading about the the beers and seeing the beers, but you know the the flavor as well was just just spectacular. Can you tell me a little bit about how Jolly Pumpkin came to be, the history of of the brewery? Sure. 
Sure, I'll, I'll try to give the exciting, the, the quick and exciting version. Uh, it's a lot like starting any business. There's a lot of detail that are uh, somewhat boring to those that are not personally involved in it. But I had been brewing professionally for before starting Jolly Pumpkin about 10 years, I guess, and I got into brewing in, in small breweries with the, the idea or the hope or the dream of one day owning my own brewery. So I worked towards that, and every brewery I worked at, I sort of uh, treated as if it were my own and putting forth the best beer that I could and, and working as hard and as, as long as I could at it so that when we opened Jolly Pumpkin, we had a pretty good idea, at least we thought we had a pretty good idea of, of what we wanted to do and where we wanted to go with the beers. And uh, so... I guess that's it in a nutshell. I mean, I, we we started the business plan about the same time I started brewing professionally, or perhaps even when I was uh, studying brewing science. And uh, as a brewer, you you don't don't make a lot of money, so it, it took us a good ten years before we were in a place uh, financially where we could could start and we could get get a couple of of banks to be interested in us and and back us with an SBA backed loan and away away we went and. The, the nice thing was that at these other breweries, I had the fortune, the good fortune of installing a few small brew pubs along the way, and we were really able to put this place together on a, a shoestring budget that I, I still maintain to this day is impossible to build a brewery on. Hmm. And uh, the the artisan ales part of part of your name, I I think of uh, you know uh, Belgian farmhouses and and small little uh, uh, you know. Uh, productions like that and the, the beers that i've tried I, I think are very much along that those lines and i'm i'm very impressed that you can pull that off is what's your your brewery like is it uh some little farmhouse out in dexter michigan or is it uh something more complex than that oh it's it's pretty simple it, we are in a well it used to be a cinder block building it's a one-story building the the owner of the building we, we lease it just recently put on a a brick skin a brick brick facade so it, it looks like an old brick building now um, we lease about one-third of that building and we've got so the inside the cinder block walls and old wood joist uh, ceilings and kind of a big open space where we've we've put in our, our brew house down at one end we have a 10-barrel brew house so each one of our batches is roughly 300 gallons, give or take. We we need to size our batches, though, according to the number of barrels, uh, wood barrels, that we're going to go in eventually. So even though we, we could brew more or less, we, we tend to brew a little bit less than 10 barrels with every batch. Uh, just it works out for the number of barrels we like to fill. We have all open fermenters, so we've got one kind of little section of the brewery, there, our fermentation area, and uh, the rest is full of barrels, a little bottler, and... Uh, pallets and pallets of, of bottles that are conditioning. We have a bottle refermentation. All the beers that we do are unfiltered and unpasteurized and refermented in the bottle. So we have a lot of uh, beer in, in progress here from, from some of the barrels that age for many years before blending to after bottling. They, they sit around here for another few months before we sell them. So mm. it's a nice little brewery. We've painted it bright colors. You know, I figured we were spending a lot of time here, so we've got some nice, nice brightly colored walls. And where can people find your beers? What's your distribution? We wholesale all over the country. We're a really, really small brewery, but we do, as you said, this kind of niche beer that uh, certain people really, really find enjoyable. And it's been my 
my business model and philosophy from the beginning was to be a, a small national or maybe even eventually international uh, boutique brewery. So we weren't going to be brewing lots of beer, but we would be shipping it all over the world, uh, just like some of those small Belgian breweries that you that you mentioned. We'd mm-hmm. send our beer wherever people wanted to drink it. And so we developed our distribution model kind of based on that hither and there willy-nilly approach. And uh, we ship all over the country. We're very difficult to find, but most states have a wholesaler that once in a while will order our beer and we'll, we'll end up in stores. You know, you, always best to check your, uh, you know, your best bottle shop in the area or as far as bigger stores, Whole Foods tends to pick us up wherever we go and um, mm-hmm. like that. And if, if you send me an email, I'll at least give you our wholesaler's name and number in that area and maybe they can help you find a store near you. Very I mean, cool. I'm, not, I'm not intimately familiar with every neighborhood <laughs> sure. in the U.S. where we're at, but you know, I can try to put you in touch with with the folks who can can help you out for sure. Well, I'd say if any listeners, uh, you know, should happen to come across any Jolly Pumpkin uh, beer, you know, snap it up. You know, don't don't hesitate. Get it and and give it a try if you've never before because uh, it's very impressive. Well, and and one of the the beers that uh, we've been requested to uh, try and and brew is uh, your Bam beer. Now that's uh, kind of a golden, um, uh, dry hopped, you know, combination of uh, you know uh, spicy uh, Belgian character and uh, hops and uh, you know very difficult to. You know, I can't uh, just throw it into some category like I usually do, but uh, it's, uh, you know, quite an interesting beer as well. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about that, the Bam beer? Sure. The Bam beer, I developed the recipe and the idea for the Bam beer. Probably we had only been open about a year at that point, and uh, it was sort of a reaction. At the time, extreme beers were kind of all the rage, and and people were calling our brewery an extreme brewery because we did these sort of Belgian influence or inspired oak aged beers, um, and they tended to be they tended to be a little higher in alcohol than your average pale ale or even IPA, something like that. So, although IPAs have gotten stronger over the years for sure, but anyway, we as a you know I didn't really didn't really sit well with me being called an extreme brewer because. I was trying to make these very, very flavorful, you know, wild, sour, oak-aged beers and not necessarily uh, super uh, just extreme alcohol, hop kind of, kind of beers. I was looking for something with a little bit more, a little bit more finesse um, than that. And so I designed the Bam Beer recipe and I, I called it a, I called it a farmhouse ale. My my other line is beeping, unfortunately, but hopefully they'll go away soon. Uh, so I called it a, a farmhouse ale because there's really no definition of a farmhouse ale, at, at least at the time. And I thought, well, this will be a nice, refreshing beer. It'll be pretty moderate to low in alcohol, something that is going to taste really great. But I don't think you could anybody could call it extreme uh, by any means. Uh, although people have since I made it uh, so <laughs> I guess uh, I guess you can't get away from it in some senses but the, so the Bam beer yes as you mentioned it's oak aged there's wild yeast there's a lot of complexity from that and we dry hop it in the oak so it, it sits on hops for a little bit while it matures and unfiltered unpasteurized as I mentioned with our other beers it continues to develop the Britannomyces and the sour characters in the bottle so when we first ship it out when it's bottled and fresh 
and we get a lot of people coming to the brewery to, to buy it because they, they like it really, really fresh before the Britannomyces kind of kicks in, and you get all sorts of wonderful fruit notes, and the hops are a little bit more uh, prominent. Uh, and as it ages, then, of course, you get the, the bread coming out. We designed the Grisbill to kind of evoke a, a rustic character. I wanted it to, to taste like something that could have been made uh, in those... Uh, years gone by and the uh, bucolic path that probably never really quite existed but that everybody likes to imagine so mm-hmm. uh, we do a, a blend of different uh, base malts we we use a pilsner malt but we also use a pale ale malt and i use some some raw barley in there as well to kind of give maybe the, the flavor of not quite so well modified malt some again malts of days gone by when there's probably a little raw barley in there somewhere and uh, some wheat, too, to give it some lightness and uh, nice, nice fluffy head retention as well. Malted wheat? Yeah, we do use malted wheat in the band beer. Mm-hmm. And what sort of percentages are we talking on the, the Pilsner, the pale, the raw barley, the, the wheat malt? Um, well, the, the Pilsner malt is about 50% of the grist, and uh, the pale ale malt we do about... 25% and then raw barley uh, between 6 and 7%. Mm-hmm. And uh, the rest is going to be made up of wheat malt and um, we use a little bit of uh, crystal to give it uh, a little depth of color and just a, a tiny, tiny bit of, of black malt to, again, kind of give it that suggestion of a little deeper golden color than, mm-hmm. than we would get just using all the, the Pilsner malts as well as kind of some rough edges, if you will. What color uh, crystal malt? Crystal eighty, generally. Um, mm. We've bounced around a little bit with with different colors, and I kind of settled on settled on the eighty. As uh, oddly enough, considering I'm doing everything else to make the beer kind of edgy, that's the most neutral. <laughs> <laughs> so it just seemed to fit in a little bit better, and uh, the other crystal malts that we would use kind of stuck out a little bit mm-hmm. more than I was looking for. This this kind of melts seamlessly with the beer. What does the SRM of this beer end up being? Oh, like around five. Mm-hmm. I mean, five or six, maybe. Uh, you know, color is so subjective, too. Sure. I, I've never sent it out to be um, uh-huh. measured. It's just kind of what what I figure when I add everything up, what it should be. How about the uh, starting gravity? Starting gravity, well, now the band beer, all of our beers are really well attenuated because of uh, we have a nice, healthy primary fermentation, and then you, of course, have some, some wild yeast chewing away at things, too. So, And we, we bottle condition. So our starting gravity is, we, and I use the kind of uh, a specific gravity rather than degrees Plato, um, just kind of the way I was brought up. But it's 1037 is the original gravity of that. The beer ends up being in the bottle about 4.5 to 4.7 uh, percent alcohol. Mm-hmm. And how about IBUs on this? Um, IBUs, about 25. Mm-hmm. But we do have some whirlpool and dry hopping, so you, you get a perception of perhaps a, a little bit more. What kind of uh, hops do you use in this uh, for your additions? Well... We start with some citrusy American hops, and, uh, well, they're all American hops, actually, all the way through. Uh, the signature hop that I like to use in that beer is Crystal, mm-hmm. and I think that without the Crystal, it would be a, a different beer. 
So you have a, a bittering edition, and then uh, uh, what other editions did you say you do? You do like a, a whirlpool and uh, yeah, we uh, have a, a mid boil edition, a whirlpool edition, and then of course we dry hop with more crystal. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, how about fermentation? Now, <clears throat> all your fermentations are open fermentations. Can you describe that uh, for us? Is is this? Um, just like a, a large uh, flat square, or uh, do you have a, a filtered air or anything like that going on? No, no, we, we don't have filtered air. It was important to me that the wild cultures that we developed here at the brewery were were naturally occurring wild cultures. I had done at some other breweries some wild yeast fermentation with store-bought wild yeast, if you will, and was never really completely satisfied with the complexity of the beers. So I figured that to do what I was looking to do, we really needed naturally occurring wild yeast, and so we didn't really want to filter the uh, the air or anything like that. We uh, didn't build a separate fermentation room. We, it, now I kind of wish I had a separate fermentation room for some isolation, you know, but at the time, we didn't, uh, we started on a shoestring, and that was just one more wall that we didn't have money to build at the time so uh, now that we're open there's kind of like barrels in the way of where the wall would go and uh, also with fermentation you have a lot of co2 created and not being able to put in any sort of um, uh, super uh, hvac system that would do a lot of air exchanges for me um, I, I was kind of hesitant to box myself in that way as well uh, but we do have with our HVAC system, and this kind of helps with the wild yeast. To, you know, people ask if we have the louvers in the top of the building that we can open up to allow the cool night air in with all its uh, accompanying microorganisms. And, and we don't have louvers, but what we do have is our our HVAC system. HVAC system is so, sort of sophisticated enough, if you will, that when the temperature in the brewery is uh, is warmer. Then outside, and we we turn on the air conditioning. It just pumps in cold air from outside, and mm-hmm. reverse is true as well. As you know, if it's if we need it warmer in here and it's warmer outside, then it'll just kind of rather than uh, turning on the AC, it'll just use the cold night air. So when we when we are uh, we do a, a lambic style beer as well, and when we are doing that, we let the the word just sit in one of our open fermenters as a cool ship and we'll just we do it in the spring and the fall when it gets pretty cold at night in Michigan still uh, the days will be nice and warm so the brewery heats up uh, as we brew and then we'll just we'll dial down the uh, AC at night but instead of uh, kicking on and recirculating our air which is hot and cooling that down it just brings in uh, cold night air so we kind of have a little bit of help from, from nature in that respect but uh, the, the fermentation describing the fermentation they're kind of uh, big open pots essentially flat bottomed round and uh, with a nice uh, shallow dimension uh, we we use open fermenters for a couple of reasons um, I like open fermenters because of the flavors that they develop I mean fermenters oh, I'm sorry I'm walking around so I just realized I'm walking by my glycol chiller and my iPod again but we use the and you told me to be in a quiet space so we use That's the right. open fermenters be, I use the open fermenters because um, I like the flavors that they develop when people stopped using open fermenters I mean in, until relatively recently all, all beer was brewed with open fermenters I mm-hmm. I had a young uh, brewing apprentice in here when we first opened from Germany and his first job at Bitburger 
he worked at Bitburger, and in Germany, his first job was to scrub out the open fermenters they had there. And, I mean, this guy was pretty young, so you know they they've had them up until pretty recently, uh, as well as some other breweries that you wouldn't expect. I mean, Pilsner Kell still has some down in the basement that they that they use, uh, not for distributed beer, I believe, but just for you know in-house kind of beer. And the reason is is because it, it tastes great. It makes some really great, flavorful beer. Uh, they're just kind of more of a pain with cleaning and and more labor intensive and the switch to cylindriconicals was just really to make you know bigger and bigger batches of beer with less and less manpower mm-hmm. at least that's what i believe and so when we were setting up uh, i selected all open fermenters to use here i'd used them at some other breweries and was pretty comfortable with them and i, I knew i could make great beer on them um, it helps that they're less expensive too and it gets back to the whole uh, mm-hmm. shoestring thing but we were able to buy four fermenters and as opposed to, you know, we could have gotten maybe two cylindriconicals or something. And, I mean, we certainly could have started with that. We, won't, we you know, we weren't that busy when we when we started. Um, so, they, yeah, they look like giant open pots, kind of a, not quite a two-to-one uh, as far as width-to-height ratio, but, you know, something like one-and-a-half to one, mm-hmm. kind of wider than they are, are tall. And did you have these set up with uh, any sort of temperature control as well, or...? Some do and some don't. Mm-hmm. Some do and some don't. Uh, originally, when I I brought the ones in that didn't, I thought I would install some sort of cooling coils or jackets on them, but they worked so well with the um, yeast that I had selected without any additional cooling on them that I, I never have. What yeast strain do you use on the BAM beer to, to start with? You start with a, a pitch of uh, some standard oh, strain. Yeah, and then cultured, you... cultured brewing yeast. Um, we use a, a, a White Labs 550, but we we top crop it. It crops on top of the beer, so we're able to harvest and repitch. And mm-hmm. um, I've I've had some 550 beers that taste similar as far as flavor profile, but I've had others that taste nothing like the beers we do here. In fact, sometimes some uh, brewers down the road in Ann Arbor will be or Grand Rapids. A couple guys out there want to do some Belgian style beers now and again. They'll uh, ask me for some some yeast. And the beers they brew taste nothing like. I'm like, are you sure this is my yeast? Hmm. Uh, because they'll have all sorts of strange uh, experiences with it, and the beers don't end up uh, tasting tasting the way mine do. So it, uh, it it changes, I think, a little bit once it gets in the brewery. But beyond that, I think that there are probably other processes, uh, you know, during the brewing process, other factors that can influence it. Because as I said, I'll give it to you know my yeast, which has been in here for a number of generations to somebody else and it'll make a beer that doesn't taste like anything I do here. So, Well, that's one of the great things about, you know, uh, craft brewing or, you know, artisan ales is that, you know, it's unique to the, to that brewery and, uh, you know, you, you find something, uh, you know, that you can't get elsewhere. You know, uh, if, if everybody could make exactly the same beer, then I don't know, it kind of killed what, the whole... What would the point be? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, uh, what uh, temperature do you uh, do you ferment this at when you're doing your primary fermentation with this this uh, 550? Well, I like to start it at a relatively low temperature. Say, uh, you know, if we can get the heat exchanger to cooperate anywhere in the 44, or excuse me, the 64 to 66 degrees Fahrenheit range is where I like to start, and then I just kind of let it free rise up mm-hmm. uh, as high as it really wants to go. 
and then everything else, all that that uh, incredible character and and uh, any sourness and all that you get from just your ambient uh, uh, environment. You're you're not uh, adding any other any other cultures or anything. That's right. I mean, it, by this time, the the wood that we uh, age the Bam beer in has has been in the brewery for five and a half years, so it's pretty well inoculated with our natural Dexter cultures. Mm-hmm. Um, but the same is true of, of any of our beers. Is they're, they're, they are all aged in oak, and it's in the oak where we have that naturally occurring wild yeast. We have the, the souring cultures, and that's mm-hmm. you know where we get additional complexity. The fermentation, we have sort of nice, happy, friendly beer after fermentation, and we put it in the oak, and that's where uh, where it gets kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. And uh, on on the oak aging, how long does uh, a beer like this age in oak? It kind of depends, really. Uh, with the band beer, uh, as I said, we kind of have we have the split personality of, of band beer, if you will. We have what we you know the fresh band beer, and that's we do a little bit of draft. We don't do a whole lot, but we lo- locally uh, band beer is one of our draft beers, and so that's the kind of the fresh band with all the fruit notes that I mentioned before mm-hmm. and just maybe a hint of tartness. And the thing about oak aging, and in particular beer like this, where we're not trying to make just a single-dimensional, unidimensional, sour, you know, beer with maybe some a little bit of malt in the background or something, but we're looking for a lot of complexity with hints of sourness, at least when it's fresh. And the oak changes throughout the year. The weather, uh, the temperature... Uh, all these things kind of influence the way the beer develops in the oak. And so it, it's a range of time. The band beer is one of the beers that gets the least amount of time in oak for us. We generally like to give it about two weeks, uh, sometimes a little bit more depending on the season. And uh, if it's in a certain barrel or it's a large oak ton, it's a 1,000-liter oak ton, um, in July, we have one that becomes very, very lactic, where we, we like to do our, our white beer, our Calabaza Blanca, in there in the summertime because it develops this wonderful tartness, like, really, really quickly. Uh, but if Bam beer is in there, we need to watch it and, and maybe move it out of there uh, mm-hmm. more quickly as well. And, and these barrels uh, in this town, are, are they made from a, an American oak, a French oak, or...? We have some American, we have some French, we have some Austrian, and we have some uh, German oak. Mm-hmm. So you guys probably do a fair amount of blending. Equal opportunity, equal opportunity oak agers. Yeah. So you do you do some some blending to really uh, dial in the the exact balance of of the beer in the end and and what you want to be sending out uh, for bottled product and all that. Yes and no. It depends on the beer. Some beers are bottled what I call batch batch style or batch format um, where it will go into say the 1000 liter or the 2000 liter oak ton and that whole uh, batch or the 2000 liter is really two batches for us but those two are matured together and then bottled together without Mm -hmm. really any blending and that's where the timing becomes more of the critical factor as far as how long it's in the oak before before bottling Mm -hmm. and then uh, in the bottle when it's released you know for sale so it's sort of a time issue that way rather than a blending issue. With beers like La Roja, which is a sort of a sour Flanders style that we do, it's definitely all about the blend. And in that beer, we have uh, at least uh, 20% of that beer is going to be over a year old. And that one is, is very carefully blended. Every batch that we do, we, we sample 
I don't know, 20 or 30 barrels sometimes of different ages to create the right blend for that. Um, and then in between those two extremes of just a single batch that is all kind of timed as it goes through the oak to something like La Roja, we have a, a whole range of, of different amounts of blending that go into the beer. Our, our beer de Mars, for example, and I, you know, I didn't really think, I always uh, kind of joke around with, with uh, Will Myers, who's the brewer at Cambridge House. He makes these fantastic beers but they're all so complicated like what he does for the beer he moves it over here and he does this and he does that and I can never follow and I, I just uh, I, you know we kind of laugh about it but then I was thinking about our Beer to Mars production somebody asked me about it this year and I detailed what we do and I thought you know that's really not any less complicated so <laughs> that is two uh, two of the same grain bills that we ferment with Two different yeast strains. You know, two, we do two batches essentially. Same grain bill. Two different yeast strains that then are, are blended together into the 2,000 liter oak ton and matured for about a month in the 2,000 liter. Then taken out and put into 10, uh, 10 or 12 separate uh, regular size barrels in the 50 to 60 gallon range, and allowed to mature for another three months. And then reblend, retasted, and reblended back into the bottling blends that we do, and then maybe two or three different blends that we create for bottling um, so you've, you've kind of got a range of what we do from the seemingly relatively simple to the the why do they do that it doesn't make any sense sort of level of complexity uh, that is amazing on on the bam beer uh, a couple more questions uh what what uh sort of boil time do you do on this 60 minutes i'm a big fan of a 60 minute boil um mm-hmm. i do some longer boils for some of my other beers but uh, most of my beers are going to be a 60 minute boil Okay. And what about mash temp? We do a single infusion mash here. That's what we bought. I mean, it's inexpensive equipment. So we, we do a single infusion. And as I said earlier, I'm looking for a really highly fermentable wort and pretty much everything I do. And one of the reasons on that has to do with the wild yeast. And if we're sending a beer to packaging with a high residual sugar level, it can be fairly unpredictable, at least to us, as far as how much carbonation is going to develop. And, and also, you can develop extreme levels of carbonation, which are not very much fun for people trying to drink the beer sometimes. So uh, we really try to get the beer as dry as possible before putting it into the oak. And along those lines, I tend to try to have a mesh temperature of 149 degrees Fahrenheit, and I tend to have a little bit higher liquor to grist ratio meaning kind of a wetter mash where you may not get quite the same level of extract yield but you tend to get a a more highly fermentable wort Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. at least that's what the textbooks say right right uh very cool are there any other uh tips you might have for us on uh, brewing this beer the bam beer yeah um well uh bearing or barring as the case may be having an oak barrel with uh, cultures from our brewery already impregnated in it. I've had some pretty interesting and close to accurate uh, homebrewed renditions of the beer that were brewed with uh, yeast cultured up from the bottom of the bottle. So instead of having a completely clean primary fermentation, they had the breadth, you know, the local wild breadth that we have in here in, mm. in the beer from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was I was amazed the aroma they 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 had the alcohol wrong and on some of the best which was unfortunate but they did that kind of 
the nouveau farmhouse style. Most people, it seems, that are now making farmhouse style beers. Again, this was something I started brewing and calling farmhouse because it's like there isn't a farmhouse style. It can be anything, or there is everything is a farmhouse style. And in any case, they they tend to be higher in alcohol, like seven to nine percent alcohol. And and so the alcohol in some of these these ones that I had that were really otherwise accurate were was way out of the ballpark for what we're trying to do with a BAM beer. And of course, I kind of makes it difficult to translate but uh, other than that the, the flavor profile was, was pretty close that's a great tip okay fantastic i really appreciate your taking the time to to share all this great information with us about uh, the bam beer and uh, the other things you do at uh, jolly pumpkin artisan ales i'm really looking forward to uh, taking on this challenge it, it, it sounds uh, like a lot of fun so uh, thank you very much for all your help and uh Take care. My pleasure. Thank you. Where were we? You stole an oak barrel from the mist of Ravenwood, and Lord Zinfandel the Avenger is in pursuit. Do you drop the barrel and run? Hell no. We need it for a Flinders Red. I'm going to cast Pediacacus Damnathus on the barrel. Sorry. Your ghosts are imprisoned in his winery forever. I hate it when Greg's the brewmaster. This sucks. What do we have here? Orville Rodenbach? Buzz off, guy. We got a brew session going. Is that an actual beer? Yeah, I crafted it. I don't really use the dice anymore. I'm a 10th level beer nerd. <laughs> Are you a 10th level beer nerd? Do you get a long lasting foam stand when you think about wheat malt? Then you're in good company at Northern Brewer. Northern Brewer has all your beer nerd needs, ingredients, equipment, and knowledge at northernbrewer.com. Plus, fast, cheap shipping, only $7.99 for the contiguous USA. And check out Northern Brewer's huge selection of dorky beer kits, including the pre prohibition lager. Perfect for steampunk. And the single hop best bitter. Now on cap and 10 forward. Make 10th level at northernbrewer.com Hi, this is Push from the Brewing Network and I want to tell you about the Brewmaster's Warehouse and how you can get 10% off your next order. I'm a pretty techie guy, but I've never seen an online store like this. It's awesome. Go to brewmasterswarehouse.com and click on Brew Builder. You can whip up a custom recipe so easily even Sven could do it. Seriously, it's slick. You can share your recipe with your own logo and notes to the Brewmaster's database if you want. And the best part, it keeps a running tally of the beer you're building while you're doing it. Then, bam, click Buy Recipe and your cart is filled and ready to go with helpful suggestions in case you forgot something. This thing is amazing. Brewmaster's Warehouse is run the way a home brewer would do it with great service, fast turnaround, and $6.99 flat rate shipping. Brewmaster's Warehouse and the Brew Builder blew me away. Check it out today at brewmasterswarehouse.com. I'm serious. And don't forget to put BNARMY in the discount code box for 10% off your order. Check out brewmasterswarehouse.com. Cheers. Nico, listen, our lawyer said that we had to do this for one hour, and after this, we don't have to talk to each other for three more months. And then to the next meeting. Come on, let's get out of here. I'm supposed to have more lines. I'm the professional. Hey, it's Sully. And I'm Nico. And we opened the 21st Amendment nine years ago at 563 2nd Street in San Francisco, just two blocks from Giants Park, to make great beer and have a great time doing it. That's right, because to us, the 21st Amendment is more than just the right to make beer. It's the right to experiment, to be innovative, and just do things differently. And so now, we're putting our craft beer in cans. That's right, cans. You can find our world-famous Hell or High Watermelon Wheat Beer and Brew Free or Die IPA throughout California and Alaska. And now it's also available on draft at select accounts in the Bay Area. So next time you're at your local neighborhood pub or good beer store, be sure to ask for 21st Amendment in cans. Because everyone likes it in the can. Tasty Crack Cans. Tasty Crack Cans. 
Williams Brewing is your online resource for prompt delivery of quality home brewing supplies. Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and freshest ingredients and the best customer service in the business. Cut hours off your brewing sessions by using one of their 11 varieties of famous Williams malt extract. Their Williams German Pills is mashed with pure German Moravian two-row barley malt for a light blonde color and malty crispness you just can't get from other extracts. Or check out their unique fermenters, draft beer equipment, bottling aids, and more. They even have their own line of precision hydrometers. Go to williamsbrewing.com to browse their vast selection and enter promo code BREW at the order checkout for $5 off your next order over $50. Orders placed by 3 p.m. ship the same day. Again, go to williamsbrewing.com and enter promo code BREW at checkout for $5 off your next order. Brewing is easy the Williams way. Live. Beer Radio. The Brewing Network. The Brewcasters. If you're just starting, don't be discouraged by all this stuff. It's exactly. so easy. Just throw it yeah. together. Put yeah, some sugar and some water and some yeast in there. Yeah. Network. <laughs> now back to the challenge. Can you brew it? All right, we're back. Too bad they didn't have the uh, cameras going. People would have seen me uh, bleeding like a stuck pig. Hey, you shouldn't have called me that name. <laughs> yeah. What's going on over there, Jamil? I had to punch him up. You had to hit me. Yeah. Jesus Christ. I mean, really? I. Your beer's fine. Really? <laughs> yeah. Come on. I, yeah, I like it, your beer. You took it yeah. back, finally. <laughs> I am a fan. Yeah. I am a fan. Please. We need to have an intervention with there's Jamil. A, there's a little yeah. argument about being cloned, and we fix that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's cloned! It's cloned! Please! Right. No more. Yeah. Well, and, and for this one, uh, you know, great great thanks to uh, Ron uh, at Jolly Pumpkin. He, he really came through with a lot of good information. It was really very helpful and, and very interesting. But... Uh, you know, I thought about uh, who we have to brew this, yeah. and had to go to the know. bench. Yeah, it, it, it seems a little too tough for me. I have no idea. Uh, Tasty would have screwed it up. <laughs> Not enough hops. Uh, you know. Did you think about me? Was I on the list? I, I think oh. about you all the time. <laughs> but not Unfortunately, on that list. not that's not, a different list. Oh. <laughs> not in uh, the, mm-hmm. yeah, the context of brewing. Just checking. Uh, so we had to call in the big guns. So uh, we got in the studio with us, uh, Mike Moraz. Hello. And, uh, you know, when I'm thinking brewing a very tough, complex, uh, Belgian-y type of beer, uh, immediately, I think we all thought of Mike uh, yeah. as, as being the guy we wanted well, to, uh, to bring in for this. Uh, you know, your, your reputation precedes you. Well, that's, that's nice. Thank you. And uh, so, um, what, was, what was, well, should we get right into, we, we tasted the beer. Uh, we tasted. Mike actually brewed like you know two, three different versions, and uh, he supplied uh, two uh, versions of the Jolly Pumpkin. Uh, the Jolly Pumpkins are labeled by batch number, like three ninety one and four. We, we had it was I think it was a split batch. It was three twenty four and three twenty five mm-hmm. was the older version, and then four oh one was the new version right. we had. So when he started, he had the 324 to 325. Correct. And then uh, today, um, he also picked up a 401 so we could taste, you know, what they're like fresh and what they're like older and, you know, and all his different permutations. 
And uh, it's fascinating. It's really fascinating how different the Jolly Pumpkin beers are yeah. from each other. Um, just because their process is a little more artisanal, you know, that they tend to vary a little bit, probably with the season, um, and you know they're they're pulling in that air into the brewery. So who knows? And open fermentation, who knows what's going on? But uh, they definitely change, and I think they change in the bottle over time as well. I agree. So there's a lot of factors in there that make this a very hard beer to clone. And I would think, you know, people. <laughs> I'm thinking, well. I think if I did this, uh, it just wouldn't have worked out. So uh, I'm glad we had you in. Thank you very much. It's definitely a moving target. So yeah, yeah, so, tough one. Yeah. So you know that was one of my when I Jamil sent me an email saying that hey you know can you do these uh these Jolly Pumpkin clones I was like oh, that sounds like a pretty uh pretty big undertaking and I was just thinking the week before I listened to a couple of the. The Canyon Brewer shows, thinking you know these guys are getting a bunch of softballs. You know, the brewers are coming, <laughs> coming out there, giving them all the information. See, we don't get all yeah. softballs. This one wasn't easy. <laughs> See, yeah, yeah. I got a little egg on my face for that. Thinking, yeah, so that's, that's what I get. So well, I, we started I, out with some easier ones because mm-hmm. we wanted to like get the show going, you know. But <laughs> we came to the harder ones, then we called you. Well, Moraz makes a, just a, a good point. Just to clarify, we, you know, sometimes we catch shit because they say, "Well, the brewer sits down and give you the whole recipe." Doesn't matter sometimes. Right. No, the whole recipe really doesn't right. matter sometimes. Yeah. So, because you can get like some killer recipes, like in brewing classic styles, and then you know, brew a shitty beer from that. Yeah, you know, I've done it. Nothing wrong with the recipe. Yeah. Uh, you know what I love about this beer, this band beer. It's a low alcohol, easy drinking beer with a huge amount of character. It's got that kind of a, uh, you know, a, a slight tartness. It's got uh, a spicy note to it. It's got a little bit of hoppiness to it. It's got a little bit of kind of a malt background to it. There's a lot going on in this beer. And mm-hmm. when I first saw it, it was the alcohol content of it. I'm a, I couldn't believe it, how small it was and how much flavor is in this beer. It's it's a, a very well done. It's got more flavor than most Belgian beers at ten, eleven percent. Yeah, yeah. It's really fantastic, and you could drink. I could drink pints of this endlessly. That's why I made twenty gallons. Of <laughs> twenty <it>. gallons. <laughs> right. You right. can go home and definitely have a a few wow. pints before dinner with this one. This is it's just fantastic. Yeah, and it, it's low alcohol and uh, just just incredible. Yeah. Um, all right, so let, let's go through, and uh, we we tasted these four beers uh, during the break, uh, blind tasting. You know, nobody knew uh, what was what, and uh, we had had an opinion. Eh, why don't I start this week with uh, uh, Tasty? What's your take on it? Well, I, um, they're very similar. I would say they're they're. I can't think of a you know any particular thing I change in the. Uh, on the clone side to make it uh, even even closer, I think the uh, like Mike said the uh, you know the, the, his beer is you know pretty young. I don't know how old the uh, the real beer is, but uh, the uh, clone beer is you know it's certainly close enough that I'm going to say it's cloned. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. How about you, Justin? Cloned. 
So which isn't reflecting the long, long conversation we all had at the break during the interview, oh, trying to figure this out. We used the whole entire yeah, thirty yeah. minutes. It was thirty minutes we to just talk got about it. Yeah. We we decided on the last five minutes of the thing. Um, I did choose the wrong beers. I actually thought uh, that the two beers yeah, that were Jolly too. Pumpkin beers were Mraz's beers. Yeah. Turns out they were Jolly Pumpkins. I'll take that as a compliment. Um, it, I, I, you should really, it, you should let the listeners know we had there was four beers to taste, so it was a little little bit harder than just having two. So yeah. They paired them off pretty quickly. Was, these were Jolly Pumpkins, or these were different, and these were you know yeah. the homebrew, so they didn't know which ones were which, but they did know that these pairs belong together. So And Moraz is going to tell you why we had four, but basically, you know, we had two of Moraz's beers, two Jolly Pumpkin band beers from two different batches, as Jamil was mentioning. Um, yeah, I ended up saying cloned on, on, two, on one of your homebrews. Um, uh, with one of the batches of Bam beer, the other homebrew batch paired with the other batch of Bam beer. I did not think it was cloned. It was, but it wasn't a recipe problem. There just was some kind of funk going on in your what we ended up, um, the, what we thought was your homebrew. The, and the one you liked was the the WLP five fifty. Right. Not the Jolly Pumpkin yeast that I grew Not up. The oh, I see. So, yeah. so actually buying it off the shelf yeast was the one that I thought was cloned. Correct. Yeah. So I say cloned. One of our standards is would we change your recipe? And, and I said right. no. Um, that's that's a cloned beer. Well, that was one of the, the tips that Ron had was, you know, um, growing up the slurry from a bottle of, of the Bam beer. So that's what we did. I bought a bottle of the Bam beer and Mike grew it up and used that for his beer. And that ended up a little more funky than anticipated. So maybe a little bit of that along with, um, you know, some 550. So freshen it up. Yeah. I mean, depending on how close you can get from brew date and how close you are to right, right. Um, Dexter, Michigan, Michigan, if I can say, I've had a few. Yeah, tasting, yeah. Um, you know, we, I don't know how long. I don't know the dates. I couldn't. Right. Uh, they do have a, a log there for their dates, and I just couldn't find the dates, so I didn't right. know how old it was. Right. Um, so that might help too, but I, I wanted to do the 550 yeast um, to give somebody who couldn't get the beer at all a chance to make it. Mm-hmm. And I was worried about a lot of that funk coming through from growing up the bottom slurry right. in that old bottle. So, hmm. well, it sounds like your worries were founded because you found exactly those results. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Chad, what was your uh, take on on this? Cloned. Well, yeah. I thought they were really good beers. Um, really hard to tell the difference, you know, other than uh, maybe the clarity of the beers looking at them, but. Man, I thought it was cloned. Good job. Yeah, thank you. For me, uh, I also call them cloned. Um, they're the, you know they're all different, and they all have um, you know different factors to them that uh, would uh, you know. There's no way in a triangle test that I could not pick out the different beer in this case. I think there's there's enough difference for that, but. Um, you know, and sometimes we've we've had them where, boy, it's so close, you know. Yeah. I don't think this is quite that close, but I also think I wouldn't change anything um, other than maybe, you know, when compared with the freshest Jolly Pumpkin, it has a little more dry hop character um, compared with, uh, you know, maybe um, a little more clarity and, um, I you know, if I used the funky thing, I'd definitely also pitch some 550. Hmm. So, actually, and the one that was just 550, used 550, and did you use yeah, Brett in that the, one? Yeah, I did after the fermentation. Yeah. When I, uh, we could, I'll talk about the oak and then, dry hop. I added some Britannomyces also to help kind of add the funk character to it. Yeah, so I think that the Brett actually uh, 
help pull it more in line because the the Jolly Pumpkin ones actually seem really very much like 550 and Brett, you know, very clearly. Mm-hmm. And that's what I was thinking when you mentioned that. I was like, oh, you know, that seemed that way to me. But, um, you know, all of them really good. So I, I call that cloned as well. Amazing. I have to say that from the time Jolly Pumpkin appeared on our Can You Brew It list, so that's before we even contact Ron, right? I said, I said no effing way. Anyone's <laughs> going to clone this beer. And then listening to Ron talk about it, too, and the barrels, and his, I, again, I said no way. So really impressive, Moraz, for you to be able to get close like that. Thank you. That's again why we we contact you, Jake. We need none of us Nobody slackers would be able to. I'm tell- I just laughed when I saw it on the list. Okay, <laughs> I did, did a lot of research to make sure we can kind of at least get some background on him. You know, we're on the West Coast. There's not a lot of information out here on on him. He's just now starting to get popular enough that you start seeing him popping up in places and um, really getting uh, his name out there. So um, I had to do some homework on the internet and you know look around and find out what I could as far as trying to, you know, figure out his brewing style, get in his head, and listen to the interviews on both sides. On he, There's another interview also. And just put the pieces together mm. and try and you know, see where you, you know, how we would put these beers together. So um, you want to talk a little bit about the recipe? And yeah. How why, don't the, you, why don't you give us the recipe? Tell us how you brewed this bad boy. Okay. Um, most of this I was worried about percentages, so the, the poundage and, and ounces are off a little bit. As mm-hmm. far as the, the reason why they look funny is, is he was in percentages, so I just wanted to match that as close as I can. Because yeah, that's what we do. What I was do really it? careful. Of, I was scared about the clear, or the color. I mean, this is a mm-hmm. really off yellow, so it's just a little bit one way or the other, and mm-hmm. it would be able to be pick up. So, well, was, and, and here's one tip to anybody trying to clone a beer from a brewery when they give you percentages: is work in uh, the metric system, work with kilograms and grams, and then uh, essentially what I do is I type in if they say eighty percent, I type in eight kilos of that. If they say six percent of something, I type in point six kilos 600 grams and you can work really easy with that for percentages now you tell me that and then yeah and then if you really want to see it in pounds and ounces you flip your program back to pounds and ounces and then then you can see the the funky numbers it's really hard to do otherwise if but if you work in in uh metric metric, it's really easy to set up and then you can dial up the Mm -hmm. you know yeah i had to play with the numbers quite a bit thanks for giving that (laughs) little email out a little little tip there uh yeah uh, next time you you, yeah, you do this, that uh, base sixteen is not that easy. So we got fifty one percent Pilsner malt, which is uh, four point three eight pounds. Mm-hmm. Um, Twenty five point five percent pale malt. What two, kind of pale two, malt? Two, did I just you use just raw raw two row. Okay, and um, the Pilsner is a uh, just regular old German German uh, pils. continental pils. Okay. Yeah, um, uh, the two row is uh, two point well two pounds nineteen or two point one nine. Mm-hmm. Pounds. Uh, just use white wheat, just regular old wheat. Mm-hmm. Um, 1.19 pounds. Mm-hmm. And uh, flake barley, uh, 0.56 pounds. Crystal 80, 0.25. Black patent, 0.02. Okay, so that's the black patent. Yeah, it's a quarter of an mm-hmm. ounce. Okay. And it's just obviously for color. Contribution. Mm-hmm. He mentions like a pinch, so seven grams. I put yeah, yeah, a pinch. And uh, um, again, it's a black patent malt, so the malted black patent. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. And flaked raw barley. Uh, okay. Um, and that's it for the recipe. Um, mash. He mentions he likes his mashes a little thinner. Mm-hmm. I do mine about one two one two five. 
So I went to 1.4. I don't know how much thinner that is. And um, mm-hmm. mash temperature is 149. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's looking a thinner mash helps dry it out. Lower temperatures help dry it out. He likes them. He mentions that he wants them as dry as he can get them. So mm-hmm. and you can see on the, the new version of his beer how bright and clean and sharp it is. Right. With the hops shine through, and it just finishes off the tongue with the high carbonation. All that plays right into line with, with those mash temperatures. Mm-hmm. Um, hops, he mentions crystal hops. So that's what I went with all the way through. I didn't didn't hear much information about anything else as far as other hops, so I said I'll, I'll just stick with that. Um, we got crystal um, 3.8 alpha acids. 60-minute uh, edition is 1.19. A uh, 30-minute edition is 0.82. Those are ounces? These are all ounces. Mm-hmm. I'll post it on the forum, and I'll give uh, kilograms and, mm-hmm. and, all, and grams uh, for the recipe. I just didn't have that um, mm-hmm. before the show. And so we got the 60-minute, 30-minute, and the zero-minute edition is 0.55 mm-hmm. ounces. And the dry hop was a quarter of an ounce in five Five gallons. Right. So, so you it's might, a six you might gallon even batch. Double that dry hop. Huh? You could get away with yeah, depending on how how you weren't um, you wanted that flavor to come through. Right. You could probably double double dry right. hop. And I'll talk about the dry hop technique. Um, in the the original beer that I had, um, Jamil gave me it was the older version of Bam beer. So the hop profile was a little bit soft. Um, mm-hmm. So I said, you know, I'm going to play it safe and put a quarter ounce in there. Right. Um, the new fresh bright version, you can probably you definitely mm-hmm. get the hop flavor coming through, and you can probably up the hops if you, if that was your choice. Um, oh, boy, no beer. more than a half half of half of an ounce. I think you'd overpower it if you put much more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the yeast, uh, the yeast was I had two versions of the beer. Uh, one was the dregs grown up from a bottle of Jolly Pumpkin, and. It's it definitely character comes through, but it's a little too funky, um, and I was worried about you know the Brett shining through, growing that stuff up, mm-hmm. um, and just mowing through this thing and drying it completely out. So I said, you know what, I'm going to make a version with just yeast we can get at the homebrew store. For one, I needed something if I needed to blend with, or the Jolly Pumpkin just went totally off, and I thought it'd be nice to have some somebody who can't get the Jolly Pumpkin beers and still yeah, wanted to recreate like this. Right. They can order all the stuff from Northern Brewer, more beer. Um, and they would be just they'd be spot on. Mm-hmm. So um, Jolly Pumpkin was grown up, um, you know, grown up in the bottle. So just did a two step in the starter and then pitched it in. Um, fermentation was fine. Took it off. I got after fermentation temperature. I think he's. I mentioned he's like sixty four and ramps up. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't have that. I didn't have um, controlled temperature to get it down to sixty four. So it was sixty eight, and I kind of kept it there. Until mm-hmm. the very end to kind of dry it out a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, so one of the things you could, on how your process is, if you can get down to 64, that'd probably be a good place. So this was done. At, mine was done at 68. So Yeah, yeah. there was a, a sulfur note in, in that beer. And, um, you know, sulfur is generally um, produced uh, when yeast are under stress. So I wonder, you know, that yeast from that bottle... I don't know if it would improve with, you know, multiple repitchings and, you know, it could get returned to health. But, you know, that's always a kind of a response to stress is uh, kicking off a lot of sulfur. And that that ended up pretty sulfury. Yeah. I think that was our least uh, favorite of the beers. Yeah. Mostly through the sulfur notes, yeah. 
And I have a question. Isn't, isn't just growing it up from such a small amount in a bottle a stressful activity? I mean, I, I know there's really safe ways to do it, to right. be the best you can to it, but it seems risky to me. Well, I'd, I'd start with like, you know, a 1020 wort and, uh, you know, run it through uh, a couple of times. If you're trying to get a pure culture, yeah, um, I would plate it and see what grows, get a single, single, cult, single cell that grows to a... A little colony, pick that colony, and then grow it up some ten twenty wort a few times, and then move on to a you know more of a regular starter wort, and uh, go from there. And that you know that would be really the way to do a single cell culture. But this is a multi cell, mm. you know, multi strain culture. So well, there's your bacteria and really can't do that. Yeah. yeah, you lose that house flavor. But I, you know, I thought you were much closer with the five fifty and the Brett. What which Brett did you use? The Brett, okay. After it was fermented, when I um, and when I added, I added in the secondary. Mm-hmm. The secondary was just a keg, corny keg, with the oaks and um, in the dry hops. So I'll talk about the, how I did that and the, uh, the, the amounts on that. Um, but the strain, I added it um, to the secondary. It was uh, Lambicus and Bruxellus. Um, if you just pitched a, a vial of each one of those mm-hmm. um, straight from from white labs into the secondary you'd be fine you if you start pitching the primary you might it, it might run on you and get a little too funky so that's what i was worried about just mm-hmm. just a settled background when it's fresh and clean this beer there's not much brett flavor hops come through um nice and dry and then as it starts to age those things do start to pop up mm-hmm. so that's what i was kind of after mm-hmm. with that okay so. um and as far as getting that oak character, that was the tough one for me. I was kind of, I you know, mold that over. Is how am I going to recreate that nice soft oak flavor? Because if you just put oak chips, you know, you know, half an ounce and so in a keg, you smell it smells like oak chips. Mm-hmm. The dominate real quick. Yeah, it's All a right. huge aromatic property. So I need to muddle those out a little bit to make it like I needed an old barrel. Mm-hmm. It's kind of that old barrel, kind of used barrel, kind of. Okay. Uh, that sounds really tricky. Let's do this. Let's take a short break. And when we come back, uh, tell us how you were able to mimic uh, these old barrels that, that they're reusing, obviously, at Jolly Pumpkin. Because that's something I'm not sure how I would do. Back after this. Hey, what are you doing, man? Writing a review of WLP 400. What? You're reviewing yeast? Yeah. White Labs has home brewer reviews of all their strains. Are you new to these interwebs? Check it out. That's awesome. White Labs, your source for great yeast, invites all brewers to visit whitelabs.com to read and write your own reviews of all their yeast strains. Get real-world tips and tricks from other brewers who have made the most of their vials and post your own experiences. It's another way White Labs brings you closer to the best yeast on the planet. Send. There you go. You misspelled flocculate, dude. What? Ah, uh, mother. White Labs. It's all in the vial. BN Army members, are you looking for an even better deal on hops? Keep listening. Nico's Homebrew Supply at nicobrew.com has hops by the ounce and by the pound. nicobrew.com will be running their biggest sale on hops yet with 19 varieties for only $19 or less per pound. Varieties like Cascade, Centennial, Willamette, and more. The sale begins October 11th and runs through the 29th. Be sure to use coupon code BNARMY to get these awesome prices. Whether a couple ounces at a time or an 11-pound bag, all hops 
products are shipped vacuum sealed and frozen straight to you. And $5 flat rate shipping includes all 50 states. And for hops, that means you too, Alaska and Hawaii. The staff at Nico's Homebrew Supply loves to brew and is committed to keeping homebrewing affordable and accessible to anyone who wants to join in this great hobby. Remember coupon code BNARMY for the Brewing Network discount. Visit NicoBrew.com. That's N-I-K-O Brew.com. NicoBrew.com, your bare bones buddy in the brewing business. In the past year, the Brewing Network has been able to add two new shows, expand our studio capabilities and quality, and bring more beer information home to you than ever before. In no small part, this is due to subscribers like you. Thank you from all of us at the Brewing Network. Without your monthly support of any denomination, we could not bring you the very best in live beer radio like Can You Brew It? Brew Strong and the Sunday Session. Haven't signed up yet? Join your fellow brewers in the BN Army. Sign up today at thebrewingnetwork.com for a recurring donation as little as $2 a month. Besides all the great live radio you'll support, every subscriber is automatically entered in monthly raffles for amazing brew gear like a conical firm a temperature control system, or your own draft setup. Become a part of the BN Army today. Hilo, what's it feel like? Take awesome and multiply it by two. Yeah! <laughs> Spraying live beer radio all over your face. <laughs> Can't get any better than this, baby. It's the Brewing Network. And now, suck it, Tasty. Suck it, Tasty. Hey, 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 easy. Last time I say it's cloned for one of your beers. Tasty Set. has his own video game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't need you. about that uh, <laughs> earlier before the show. Yeah. No, I'm going to have to take out all the Suck It Tasty promos. He's got his own video game well, now. Well, wait a I'm going to call a game that, I think. So that'll, that'll be like another promo for me. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah. Suck It Tasty. Yeah, it's a porn oh, game. Yeah, wait a minute, yeah. <laughs> where Tasty is... Well, that's uh, what you'll think. <laughs> right. Like, here. Try this hose, Tasty. Suck it. <laughs> like the glory hole thing or something. Yeah. <laughs> tasty in the glory hole. <laughs> That's part two of Suck It Tasty. It's Level just, 10, there's just like, all oh, these holes look like freaking Swiss cheese. Oh, and, you know, they're just oh, coming out left be? and right. And you're just, <laughs> you, got, you, you just can't suck fast enough. You it's know? like whack-a-mole. <laughs> yeah. Whack-a-mole. <laughs> yeah. Whack-a-pole. <laughs> it's whack-a-pole. Yeah, suck-a-pole, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, uh, maybe the I show's don't gone in the crapper already. Yeah, yeah. Is it, we on yet? Mm. <laughs> yeah. Is this mic on? Uh, unfortunately, yes. Ooh. All right. So, uh, Mike, uh, before the break, you were going to you were talking about uh, how you needed to mimic, uh, you know, already used barrels because what we get in the <laughs> homebrew shop when we're when we're buying cubes or chips or whatever, they tend to be fairly fresh. They have a lot of flavor to them, a lot of tannins, things like that. But uh, Jolly Pumpkin, they've been using their barrels for quite a while, and they have a blend of barrels, French and American, and uh, you know how in the world. Did you? I, I think you did quite a, a good job of mimicking the uh, the oak character. How'd you How'd you do that? Yeah, I looked at a couple of pictures from um, Jolly Pumpkin, and you can see his barrel room. He's got all different sizes. He's got big ones, um, you know, small ones, American French. He, so it's, he's got a big selection. So I was like, well, I, how am I? Stop the thing. How am I going to mimic that? Because um, it's obviously a blend of different different barrels. So um, I did the simple thing, and I got. Um, these are oak cubes that I used. Um, I used 0.15 ounces of American oak and 0.15 of French. We'll do a blend of uh, the different chips. And then now that we have... Or uh, cubes, sorry, I used cubes. Um, 
and now I just couldn't pitch those in because new oak is just so noticeable and so mm-hmm. aromatic that I, I didn't want that flavor. It would have been too much. It w- would have came through and been mm-hmm. would have ruined the beer. So um, little Pyrex cooking measuring glass, um, put the chips in there. Um, so it doubled. Chips are about a not quarter ounce cubes. Mm-hmm. So you put about a half ounce of water. So just double the size of the cubes, as much water as I put in there, um, and boiled it for about 30 seconds in the microwave until it kind of came to a boil, and then you'll see the water change colors. Turns, just, turns brown. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, just poured it off mm-hmm. and just put mm-hmm. the cubes in there. So I removed a lot of the tannins and a lot of that. Aromatics. Other, and, yeah. Oils, whatever. There's. Yeah. So you had that. The wood of, oil. Yeah. So, um, and then I pitched that into the, the tank with the dry hops and let mm-hmm. it sit. Um, it sat on the dry hops in the oak for two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and after the beer was done... In I used carboys, racked it into the keg on top of the uh, dry hops, and the oak was in the same time. Um, and for the 551 that I put the the store bought yeast, pitched the yeast at at that same time um, for the for the bread. Mm-hmm. Um, filled it up f- five gallons and let it sit for another two weeks and kind of tasted it along the way. Um, my dip tubes will cut, so I, it won't pull from the very bottom, so everything settles and you can still pour pull beer off of it and let everything alone and uh just kind of kept tasting along the way in about two weeks and that's about pulled it off and tasted eh, pretty mm-hmm. pretty good um mm-hmm. and then racked it over to another keg um that was no obviously no dry hops and no oak and let it sit mm-hmm. for probably a good month and a half to i think how long did go did you give me the i brewed it pretty quick after you gave me so at least at least a month and a half it's it's been yeah so it's been a couple months yeah uh so that I let it sit in the, pretty much at 70, you know, 68, 70 degrees. Mm-hmm. Um, moved it to the cold box a couple of weeks ago, and uh, here it is. Yeah. Well, so, fantastic. Yeah. And then one of the things is when you rack from keg to keg, make sure you purge that thing out. Oxygen pickup is the worst thing from finished beer. So that's I'm really worried about that. So purge the kegs all the time. Um, worked out really well. So, mm. so as far as the final, you want to redo the recipe? Are we good on that or how? Well, let's see. Uh, we've got any ch- questions from the chat room? I do, yeah. Um, a lot of the questions are kind of the same about the building up of bugs. You know, okay. there's a lot out there that says, you know, you, you could just kind of inoculate with the dregs from some of these bottles and not have to worry about doing a starter or building them up. So that's kind of their question, is that how important is it for us to build up if it's the bugs part, not, you know, some, you know the actual bugs. Uh, can we just throw the dregs in or, or do we need to do a, a build up? As far as when you we so let's just say with this, for this particular beer we made it with the you know WLP five fifty and yeah. then just took an extra if you had the dregs from that bottle pitched in instead of buying the Brett um, yeah you probably could do that um, they're going to be a little bit you know as they say sleepy and might you might or might not get some character out of it depending how old it is um, I don't think in two weeks you're going to get a noticeable Brett character because they're not active but if you grew those up and then pitched it in the secondary just a small you know that that would probably be uh, sufficient. So you'd prefer a build-up? Oh, yeah. For the primary ferment, because you're, well, you're, you're getting well, the yeast. Did, and, yeah, but if, I think they're talking about secondary. Yeah, the, 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 yeah. the bread yeah, the, the side of it. You could, they could just throw the dregs from the bottle in there. Because you're that. just pitching, think about it, you're pitching um, bugs that are, are dormant into alcohol. Yeah. They're just going to have a hard time. You know, bread's mm-hmm. a great thing, and eventually they're going to come awake, and they're going to... They're going to do it, but it could take six months Just before. Time. Yeah, it's going to take a little bit more time. Okay. Um, and this beer needs to be, it's, that's what's great about it. You can drink it fresh or you can stick it away for, you know, 
a year or so, and it, it's good either way. Okay. And then another question along those same lines. Uh, NH Brewers in the chat. He wants to know what you think about um, you know using the 550 for the primary and then the dregs um, for the secondary, uh, the bugs for the secondary, instead of 550 all the way through. Uh, yeah, so. that would be... I think that would be fairly close. I would still grow those up a little bit in the bottle. You Maybe would. put a little bit of wort, you know, just in the bottle itself. And then a couple of days you'll start to see a little bit of active fermentation and then pitch that into the secondary. Just wake them up. Man. Yeah, wake them up a little bit. Because, like I said, you don't want to – I mean, this is a low-alcohol beer, but it's it might take a little bit longer for some characters to show through if you pitch them on some alcohol. Okay. So that's – and I, I – I, the, one of the reasons why, I mean, that's a good point. I, I could have done that, but I was wanted to make a beer as, as close as I could with just yeast that I could could buy, right? Um, just for those ones people that you know that like this beer or can't get it. So, and again, that was our closest one. That's the one we called clone. Uh, okay, and then last question in, in the discussion about oak barrels and and, and using oak. Uh, someone maybe mentioned breaking in a new oak barrel. And someone wanted to know how to do that. Is that something gently. we can uh, yeah. always gently? Is that something we can cover in this short amount of time? How to break in a new oak barrel? Caress and uh, um, leave it at Tasty's house. We, it's mm-hmm. it's just huge oak character right away. It's going to come through. I guess you could soak it in some you know like a water acid right. solution. Yeah, to pull some of those and keep pouring that out. You can do so, uh, you know a sulfite or a um, uh, citric acid and. Uh, Metal sulfite uh, blend, and then uh, store it that way, and that'll actually leach a lot of the tannins and stuff. And and you can use hot water and things like that. You don't want to use too hot of water; you can damage your barrel that way. Hmm. But uh, what I do is just pour whatever beer in there and just let it sit and let it soak up a lot of the the tannins and stuff. And then, yeah, just when it starts tasting a bit too oaky, go ahead and just drink it and add more beer in there, and you know. <laughs> just go that way and in a couple of years it's ready to go rock and roll or you can take the whole barrel put it in the microwave a little bit of water <laughs> the whole just, barrel just kidding there you go. There. Just I'm kidding. glad you said just. I would. Try, I'm the guy who would try that right it doesn't like, fit oh, you know there's sparks coming off the staves or the I bands I'm going to do it with the door Oops. open it doesn't quite fit <laughs> alright that's it from the chat room guys good show Cool. Uh, Mike, you want to kind of recap that recipe for us quickly? and uh, Yeah. It'll be off and running. Do that. We can do that here. Let me just uh, shuffle my paperwork around. So we got uh, just regular German Pilsner, uh, 4.38 pounds, uh, two-row, American two-row, uh, 2.19, uh, just regular old good old white wheat, uh, 1.19, uh, flake barley, 0.56, crystal 80, 0.25, and black pedant is a quarter of an ounce. Um, hops are a crystal all the way through, uh, 1.19 at 60, 0.82 ounces at 30, 0.55 at zero, and a quarter ounce dry hop. Um, and a quarter ounce of, actually it was 0.3 total oak chips, um, split um, 0.15 ounces of American, 0.15 ounces of French, um, boiled in the microwave um, to dilute some of that oak flavor. And uh, yeast is uh, WLP 550 uh, primary. Secondary is um, Brotanomyces, uh, Bruxalis, and Lambicus. And uh, you could uh, substitute um, the dregs from Jolly Pumpkin as in the secondary. If you want a little bit more funky, you can use the, um, use it as a primary all the way through. And you won't even have to uh, add anything for the secondary. 
So if you got, if you got a go fresh, five fifty and then and then the even Jamil mentioned drink, drinks, yeah. yeah, or pitch a, a vial with yeah in with, the primary with the dregs, yeah. yeah. And if you had a fresh version, I think you'd be a little bit closer than than right. I got. Right. So yeah. I don't have the dates. Like I said, this bottle could be quite old. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not quite sure how yeah. the production date is on that. But and then uh, and then drink, yeah. As uh, Mr. Police quantities. A would say, and it's, uh, it's great starting beer. gravity's uh, 1.037, a nice light, um, amazing beer for us. This is the lightest a lot beer of flavor I've ever for made. That, yeah. And what does it finish out at? Uh, uh, right around 1010, I think it, he 10, mentions. 10. I think that's and I, I my numbers were st- I, I don't have those finishing numbers, but I checked mine against his um, mm-hmm. commercial examples. Or and even it, lower than that, uh, is it? If that ABV is 4.7. Boy, you oh, yeah, yeah, that's got to go down to uh, that's 7. It's got to be seven. like 0 to get to 4.7. Seven. That doesn't sound right. Well, I'll, I'll, I didn't. I, I certainly didn't notice it uh, in the difference between the, you know, no. there was no alcohol or body or any difference between those. No. Great job, Mike. Thank you very much for taking that challenge on. I know it was a tough one, and uh, literally, unless we're going to contact Ron Jeffries... To brew it for us, uh, <laughs> I can't think of anyone else that I would have gone to. Yeah, well, thank you very much. Right. So, thanks very much. Thanks for listening. Uh, if you get a chance, uh, you know, go check out our sponsor, Northern Brewer. They are uh, out there at northernbrewer.com. Awesome folks, awesome prices, awesome products. They are the best because they keep this show going and uh, make sure you feel, they feel the love from you guys as well. And if you get a chance, uh, stop by the Brew Network store. Uh, maybe get yourself a subscription to BYO or Zymergy, something like that. Uh, lots of good stuff out there. Anyways, until uh, later on uh, when we do the next uh, beer, Brew Strong. <laughs>